Success is not luck. Success is more choice than chance. And the bullshit excuses that you tell yourself every day are holding you back from all of your dreams. He said average, average, effing average. Who wants to be average? Average is the top of the bottom, the bottom of the top, the cream of the crap. Don't ever compare yourself to average. It's not a great place to be. Compare yourself to where you could be. Failure to recognize the need for personal growth and hit refresh will make you a dinosaur over time. Welcome back to Success is a System podcast. Today, I don't have a guest. What I want to do is to share with you some of the key principles that I have discussed in recent weeks and I discuss regularly with my mentees. So I've broken that down into six key areas and about 20 principles that can lead to great business success or the failure to do them can lead to business failure. And I want to take you through that. What I do want to make clear, though, and the title of this is success is more choice than chance. A lot of people say, oh, it's been really unlucky. I've had a terrible year. The market did this. The government are doing that. I can tell you if you're having trouble in business, there'll be people in your sector that are doing really well, despite the government, despite the economy, despite the market. And if you're doing really well, there might be some that are challenged. So what we need to do when times are challenging, when government is challenging, when things aren't going right, is we need to up our game, change our game and evolve or die. That's the reality of it. So success is not luck. Success is more choice than chance. Okay, and that's what this is about. Now, one of the things I put a post out recently and one of the points I made my own quote, there are dreamers and there are achievers. The dreamers wake up every day, it's a dream, and they do nothing. The achievers started as dreamers, but they took action. Are you a dreamer or are you a doer? Because the reality is that you are today exactly where you continually choose to be. You are living in the success or failure of your own choice. And the bullshit excuses that you tell yourself every day are holding you back from all of your dreams. It's great to have dreams, but if you don't act on them, that's all they'll ever be. So let's go through some of those areas. Before I start, what I will just say is if you want a copy of the slides that detail the information I'm going to cover, then go to my website, just put your name and your email address and ask for some slides. I will send that copy to you. There's loads of statistics and information in there that I'm going to share with you that really hones in on the points. It's not just my opinion. There is um, research reports and facts to back up what I'm now going to tell you. OK, go to my website, Mike Green with an E dot co dot UK. That's M-I-K-E-G-R-E-E-N-E co.uk put your name put your email address telephone number and say can i have a copy of the slides please mike and i will send them to you so let's call this a, an sme masterclass because what i'm really talking to is smes those companies with less than 250 employees now there are 5.6 million of those in the uk and i want to first take you through some facts about those so of those businesses, 74% have no employees. So could you even really call them a business? They might have a company. They might even have a limited company. 
but they're just a self-employed person. And I don't say that in any derogatory way, but if you accept that you're self-employed, are you a good employer or are you the worst employer you've ever had? You don't give yourself time off. You're having to take calls at all times of day. You're having to work all days of the week. If you get sick, you won't get sick pay. You probably have limited holidays. That's the reality of most of the businesses as they are defined in the UK, 74% of them, over 4 million. 95% of those companies in the UK, of all companies in the UK, have less than 50 employees. 99.9% of all businesses in the UK have less than 250 employees. And actually, there are only 7,700 businesses across the whole of the UK that have more than 250 employees. And you might think, that can't be true. You know, I know about BP, I know about Tesco's, I know about Unilever and Procter & Gamble and that. Do you know what? You'd run out of them before we got to 50, probably. And there are only 7,700 of them. The reality is most businesses are small. We are the lifeblood of government. Small businesses are a key to the UK economy. They account for 61 point, sorry, 61% of all employment in the UK and 51% of all turnover. So you're a key part to the economy. But who wants to stay small? We want to grow. How do we grow? Certainly from that zero employees to, to 10 to 50 uh, and, and beyond. And it's not easy. Let me tell you that 16% of new businesses that are set up every year in the UK fail within the year. 60% will fail within five years. And the most common reason for that is financial problems, lack of management experience, and lack of a plan or strategy. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that as we go through this. So the first thing I'm going to ask anybody, when I was entrepreneur in residence, and even now if someone's got an idea to start up or they've been in their career for 30 years, they're thinking of leaving, is why? So many people get made redundant, think I'll set up on my own. I'll become a consultant. I'll do some training. I'll do some mentoring. I'll do some coaching. And they haven't actually thought about whether they really want to be self-employed, whether they really want a business. So let me just put it into perspective with a few more facts. 4.7 million businesses, no employees in the UK, okay? The average profit for those businesses, 4.7 million sole traders, is only £9,000 per year. All that work, all that effort for £9,000 profit per year. According to a recent survey by the Association of Independent Professionals and Self-Employed, the median income for UK sole traders was 27300 that's £436 less than the average income of an employee. So the vast, vast majority of businesses in the UK won't even be able to pay themselves as much as the average job in the UK. And I guess they're working harder for that. However, like employees, the survey also found that the top 10% of sole traders earned more than £100,000. So it's not all bad news. There are some people doing a great job. But remember, they've got to pay tax and national insurance. The average pension pot of an employed person at 55 is £132,000 in the UK. The average pension pot 
for self-employed people at the age of 55 is 91,000. 400, so £40,000 less. And I'm not saying this to try to put you off, but I'm trying to, so many people go into business, set up their own business, become a sole trader, become an independent business without ever thinking about what they're really letting themselves in for, without the research beyond it. And maybe you're already in business and you can compare yourself to this and see that you're doing better, or maybe you're not, uh, and, it, and it's giving you some goals to get to. It's also not easy being in your own business. The suicide rate among self-employed people, men and women in the UK, is 30% higher than it is amongst employed men and women. And self-employed men in the UK at a 17% higher risk of death than employed men. And you might be thinking as you're listening to some of these stats, which are shocking. It's why I get so much from mentoring and coaching uh, to try and help people transition from that sole trader to not to 10 to 10 to 50 to 50 and beyond employees and get real businesses of scale. Some people will think, well, I'm doing better than those averages. I'm better than average. And I remember when one of my colleagues said that once and the boss threw his hands up in the air and he said, average, average, effing average. Who wants to be average? Average is the top of the bottom, the bottom of the top, the cream of the crap. Don't ever compare yourself to average. It's not a great place to be. Compare yourself to where you could be, to where you was yesterday, to where you want to be and set some real goals that are going to make a difference for you, your life, your family. The next piece or the first piece then is now that we've kind of got some of that framework of whether you even want to be in the business, what's the first thing to do is to set a strategy. Set a plan, make some goals. And people say, I've got a strategy, Mike. And I say, oh, great. Can you send me a copy? Oh, um, well, it's, I need to update it. Well, actually, you haven't got a strategy if it's out of date. Or it's all in my head. Well, the problem is if it's in your head, I can tell you as every minute of the day changes, your blood sugars go up, your blood sugars go down. Someone does something to distract you. The phone rings. If it's not written, it won't be read. If it's not read, it won't be acted on. And if it's not acted on, it will not be delivered. Have a strategy. And I'll share with you in a while some differences of businesses with a clear strategy, a business strategy, a business plan compared to those that don't. Why should you have one? Studies suggest that having clear goals and a well-defined strategy can help businesses to improve performance. That's easy to say, but let me give you a study by McKinsey Global Institute found that companies with a clear strategy are 10 times more likely to outperform those without a strategy. A study by the Small Business Administration found that small businesses with a written business plan are twice as likely to succeed as those without a plan. Get a strategy, get a plan. If you haven't got one, write it down. If it's not written, it's just a dream. A goal is a dream with a date on it written down. And a strategy is the same. In addition to those statistics, here are some other examples of how clear goals and strategy can help businesses to perform better. Companies with clear goals are more likely to attract and retain the top talent. Employees want to work for companies that have a clear vision and direction. Companies with clear goals are more likely to be successful in raising capital. 
investors are more likely to invest in companies that have a clear plan for how they will use the funds. And we heard most businesses go bust because of lack of cash. Companies with clear goals are more likely to be successful in expanding into new new markets. When companies have a clear understanding of their goals and strategy, they are better able to identify and capitalize on opportunities in new markets. Overall, the evidence is really clear. Businesses with clear goals and strategy are more likely to succeed than businesses without clear goals and strategy. And the difference between it being written down or in your head or outdated is transformationally different. Some people say, oh, I have a, I have a business plan. How long have you been in business? Six years. When did you write the business plan? Oh, when I got in business. Why did you write the business plan? I had to go and see the bank manager. And that was not only the last time they wrote one or updated it. It was probably the last time they looked at it. Don't be stupid. It's like traveling without any map or destination of where you're heading. There is a difference between strategy and goals and plans. Your destination or your strategy or your goals is, is, the, is that. It's the destination. Your plans are how you're going to get there. And one of the sayings I like and use a lot is you put your goals in concrete. That is non-negotiable. But your plans in sand because we do need to adapt, adjust, be flexible, evolve to the changing market and the changing of performance of ourselves and our team. So then talked about strategy and goals. Let's talk a little bit about plans. Not having clearly defined goals or strategy makes you more likely to fail for the following reasons. Ones without plans are more likely to be reactive than proactive. They are less likely to be able to anticipate and respond to changes in the market. They are more likely to make decisions based on short-term gains rather than long-term success. They are less likely to be able to attract and retain top talent. And they are less likely to be able to secure funding from investors. As I said, often the only business plan that people ever write is at the very start of a business and never again. Less than half of all businesses have a plan and only 44% of them ever refer to it on a regular basis. The ones that do refer to it on a regular basis, when asked how often, it's once per month. Once per month. You don't, if you put a sat-nav into a, a postcode into a sat-nav and you're driving towards a destination on your journey, do you only look at that sat-nav or listen to that sat-nav once every hour? You're always looking for what is the next move? What is uh, the, the next thing I need to do? Surely that's the point of a strategy or goals. And then when we're putting together those plans, those strategies, those goals, we get caught in the thick of thin things, as Stephen Covey used to say. So how should we spend our time? And when I'm working with my mentees, often I'll talk about 10% in the past. What can we learn from the past? What happened the last time we had a recession? What happened the last time we did this? Uh, and we can use the past as one of the predictors of the future. But only 10% of our time should be in the past. 80% of our time is necessarily and realistically going to be in today's needs, managing the business, dealing with issues, a bit of firefighting, focused on the needs today and this week. And that leaves 10% where we should be spending our time in the future. What are we going to achieve this month? 
What are we going to achieve in the next three months? What are we going to achieve in the next year? And where are we heading in the next three years? And if you say, yeah, 10% seems a reasonable amount, Mike, I, I agree, should probably spend 10% living in the future, planning for the future, getting that written down as goals for the future. That 10% equates on a normal working week, and I'm sure as a business person, you're working more than 40 hours, but that's four hours out of 40. That's half a day, and yet most business people don't spend half a day a year on strategy, planning, and goal setting, let alone half a day a week. If you're failing to plan, you are planning to fail. I'm sorry, but the stats are there. We know how many fail without a plan. The difference isn't luck. It's because they are aimlessly going about their business with no future goal, no future plan, no future strategy of how to get there. Ask yourself the questions when you're in that future focus. Who are my target customers? Which is the target market? What am I actually selling to them? Have they got a need for that now? How are their needs changing and what? how should I adapt my product or create new products towards that? Why should they buy it from me? And why should they leave an existing provider or company that they're getting those products or services from? Why are some customers buying from your competitors? And one of the things I found in business was people will often slag off their competitors. Oh, they're rubbish at this. They're too expensive. They're stupidly cheap. They can't be making money. Look, the reality is some of your customers or potential customers are going to them. Try to look through positive eyes and say, what would be a reason I would go to them? What can you learn? Is there anything they are doing differently, better, best that you can emulate? Closing your mind and just being critical of them is stopping you seeing something they are still doing well if they're still trading. And it may be a learning opportunity to adapt and evolve your own business. So, okay, we've got a strategy. We've got a plan. Then often when people are starting in business, they get stuck at the beginning. I've just got to get this before I do that. Oh, just preparing that. I need to check a little bit about this. I have to wait till I've got some more money. Or they're on their journey and then they find themselves stuck in a rut. Or they've had the same turnover constantly, month in, month out, year in, year out. They don't seem to be able to get that next level of growth. Firstly, if you're stuck at the start, set off and course correct is an American saying. It will never be perfect. If you wait for it to be perfect, you will never start. So set off with what you have today, adapt, evolve, course correct as you go on. It saddens me when some people will come to one of my sessions or will have an initial call with me and say, oh, yeah, um, when I get older, uh, I'm going to do this. And then once I own a house, uh, once I've sorted that, I'll, I'll get involved in my own business. Oh, well, actually, when the kids are older and then, oh, when the kids leave school or when I retire and then suddenly they're old. They're tired and they say, well, it was just never the right time. There's never going to be a right time. The only time is now. If you're serious about getting going in business, get going in business. And I'm just going to reel off some of the excuses I hear all the time about why people are stuck or not started or or never going to be successful in business. I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm not in the mood to do it right now. I need to find the perfect time to do this. I'll do it after I finish this. I'm not good enough to do that. 
I'm too tired to do it now. Well, it's not important to me at the moment. I'll do it when I feel more motivated. I'm not sure how to do it. I'll do it at the last minute. I'm afraid of making a mistake. I'm a perfectionist. That's a good one, isn't it? You're a perfectionist, it means you're never going to achieve anything. Okay? That's all bullshit excuses that are stopping you from living your dreams, that are stopping you from getting the best job you could ever have, that are stopping you from building a business, scaling a business, and creating life-changing and intergenerational wealth from business. Have a word with yourself. Listen to those excuses. Would you put up with them off of somebody who you'd hired to do a job? So what do we need? We need a plan and a strategy. We need to follow that plan regularly. We need to review that plan. We need to update that plan. We need to adapt, evolve, and adjust. And then we go back again, follow the plan, review the plan, update the plan. And again, follow the plan, review the plan, update the plan, adapt, evolve, adjust. It's a process. It is not about chance. It is about choice. And if you are not achieving it, you are choosing to be distracted. And I want to go into some of those areas that kill businesses. Focus and discipline. Focus and discipline are one of the key areas for success. Lack of focus and discipline is one of the key reasons that will kill business. Okay. People say, this is where I'm going, Mike, even with a plan. I'm aiming there. This is the goal for the year. This is what we got to do to do that goal. And we're on track. And then certainly SMEs, it's like, I want to get into property. Oh, my mate said Bitcoin's good. Oh, I'm going to become an Amazon reseller. It isn't that they didn't know where to focus, that they hadn't get a plan sometimes. It's they get distracted, seduced into other areas. Focus and discipline. Once you've got a plan, because you need to know where to focus and be disciplined on what to follow. But focus and discipline is a superpower that with it, if you just stick to that plan, you know, if you put a postcode into a sat-nav and it said, take the next left, drive for two miles and go straight across at the roundabout, take the second right. If you follow that, you will get to your destination. If you decide when it says, take the next left to turn right, well, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because you'd be going in completely the wrong direction. But people are doing that every day. They're getting distracted by Netflix, distracted by social media, seduced into a new business idea when they've got a plan. They've got a business that could work. Lack of focus is the core and discipline is the cause of much failure. And to me, I always have the picture in my head of a magnifying glass. With a magnifying glass and some sunshine, if I focus and hold it with discipline, I could start a fire. That fire could, could literally uh, become massive very quickly. But if I've got that magnifying glass, even with the brightest day of the year, the hottest day of the year, if I'm constantly moving it, it will never focus. If it never focuses, it will never set anything alight. And yet businesses are doing that all too often. And it's easy to blame others. Take responsibility. If you're responsible, you are response-able. Everything that's happening is your response to do something or not do it. If you take responsibility and accountability, you'll realize it's you. Now, if you don't feel that you're easily accountable to yourself or you don't easily hold yourself accountable, that's a really good reason to have a coach or a mentor. People who are the best in the world at what they do will have coaches, managers, mentors to keep them focused, to keep them on track, to give them that tough love when they know they're not on track. Some other of those excuses. I'm too busy. I haven't got enough time. Procrastination is the mother of failure. 
oh, my God, I know we said I'd do this this month. I've been too busy. I've not been well. So-and-so did this. I had to do that. We needed a holiday. Fine. <laughs> if that's what it is, it's your business, not mine. It's your goal. It's not mine. It's your strategy. It's not mine. And my mentor used to say to me, if I ever use that, that's fine, Mike. Stay broke. Or stay killing yourself working all these hours because if you don't change, it ain't changing. So the question he would then say is, Mike, do you want to be too organized to be busy or too busy to be organized? It's a mindset. It's a mind state or it's an excuse. Sometimes people even own that busyness thing uh, as if it's some kind of badge of honor. I'm so busy. I'm crazy busy. Oh, you know, I've got the busiest job in the world. I worked 80 hours. Only 80 hours. I worked 90 hours. You should get a life. Oh, I only get four hours sleep a, 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 a night. And don't get me wrong. I've been there. I've done that. I've used that. It's stupid. Who's going to be proud of having to work so many hours if you're not making millions? If you're making millions, you could probably justify it. But even then, I would be saying, could you work smarter and less hard? Is there a better way to work? But essentially, we're giving buts. I would but. Yeah, I know, Mike, but get off your butt, my mentor used to say. And he didn't mean just get off your ass. He meant always it's but. Always it's an excuse. When are you going to get off your butt and actually do what you need to do to the plan and goal that we talked about that you know will take you from where you are to where you want to be? I haven't got time is this kind of general thing we're talking about. Elon Musk has the same amount of time as a homeless person. It's the great leveler. I could say I went to a terrible school. Those other successful people, they went to a better school. They had better parents. My dad was awful. He was hardly there. And when he was, he was, he was aggressive. Or my uh, friends had more money. I, I was poor. But one thing I can't say is I didn't have the time because I had the same time as someone who's a millionaire, a billionaire, someone who's able to do what they do, earn their money and live their life and spend time with their kids. Time is a great leveler. And if you don't have enough time, you're not working smart or there are better ways to achieve what you can achieve. Thanks for listening to Success is a System. We release a new episode every fortnight with fantastic guests. For more great content, like subscribe and share. See you all next time on Success is a System. If anyone really thinks they really don't have the time and there's nothing they could change, I would happily take the challenge of spending a week, 24 hours a day with you, and I will show you how you are wasting probably two to four hours every single day. But the reality is you probably know that you're doing that. Distracted on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, bullshit, 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 social media. If it's growing your business, that's one thing. But often we're a voyeur of different things that are going on. Or I'm tired, I just need a couple of pints. Or, yeah, well, you've got to relax sometime. And I'm not saying you haven't. Trust me, I, I talk a lot about mindful mindlessness and rest time. It's as important as uptime. But don't let it become an excuse. You have plenty of time to do what you need to be do, able to do. Another big area that often people say to me, I think I'm the best at what I do, Mike. I'm, you know, I'm not boasting, but I'm a great plumber. Or I'm the best dentist in the area. And I think... Why don't you employ more people then? So sometimes people are too good to be great. 
They're the best at what they do, and it's going to stop them ever being successful. That sounds like a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? How can that be right? But if you're the world's best plumber, let's say, and you can't see that anything less than that perfection, OCD sometimes can be a positive, sometimes it can be a negative. If you insist on absolute perfection all the time, it probably means you'll never employ anyone else because they'll never do a good enough job. If you never employ anyone else, you're always going to be on a one-to-one time ratio with what you do, earning money for work, money for work. And I would say in many, many jobs, many, many businesses, 90%, if it gets the job done and it's acceptable and it ticks the box of uh, acceptability, okay, 90% times 10 is better than 1% times, 1 times 100. And certainly if you're scaling a business, you've got to accept, like McDonald's, that we're going to take people on that aren't necessarily skilled. But you know what? We're going to take them on. They're not ideal. They're not optimal. But we're then going to teach them and they're going to get better at something. And then we're going to teach them something else. And we're going to teach them something else. And after a couple of months, maybe a couple of years, they could be running a multi-million pound business on their own. But if day one or early on, we expect them to be perfect, one, we've got to pay a lot of money to get the perfect people. Two, you've got to let go a bit. And three, um, they're just not out there often, the perfect people. We're better to set off and course correct, not just in business, but with the people we employ. Because if you don't, if you do all the time, you can't scale a business. And and I my bosses used to say things like, Mike, don't do delegate. Learn to say no, but nicely. And no is a real superpower in business. All too often we say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, you want me to fix a tap? Yep. Okay, the time going out to someone, if you're a plumber, to fix a tap could take half a day or could take a couple of hours. That could be uh, fit in a boiler that could make you a grand. So sometimes the good is the enemy of the best. And we need to look at how we're spending our time. Another thing that holds people back is fear of growth or imposter syndrome, being out of our depth. So what we need to say, if I'm out of a depth, what do I do? I learn to swim. Okay, personal development, personal development, fear of growth, feel the fear and do it anyway. It's natural. If you're out of your comfort zone, you will only get comfortable by learning new skills or you'll retrench to what you're comfortable with. And that's fine. But you can't set big goals, big ambitions and just do it with everything you have as you are today without any change. Fear. I love the acronym is false evidence appearing real. Often it's based on what you think, your opinions, your thoughts and feelings. And thoughts and feelings are not facts. But education, knowledge, trying, learning, evolving can take away that fear. The best example I like is that fear is like fog. It can obscure your vision. It can make it difficult to tread the path ahead because you can't see where you're going. Just like fog, fear is temporary. If you keep moving forward, you can go hesitantly if you like. And as you go forward, you'll see a bit further and a bit further and a bit further. And then eventually the fog will clear and you'll be able to see your way again. Don't freeze just because there's fog or because you have fear. Because doing the same will always get you the same. Doing nothing will kill your business. If you want more, you've got to do more or do better. And if you can't do more or better, you've got to employ people who can do more or are better than you. Health, wealth, and attitude. Health is really important. If we give up our health to gain our wealth, we'll end up spending much of our wealth to regain our health. 
okay? Mental health is less easy to see sometimes because it's not physical. We're not packing on the pounds. We're not losing our ability to work at a certain pace. We're not necessarily aging. Mental health is all invisible, but it can be equally debilitating. And if you're in a dark place, you've got to do one of two things. You either light some candles and stop moaning about it if it's minor, or you go and get help. If your car wasn't working, you'd take it to a mechanic. If your electricity stopped working in your house, you'd call an electrician. If something isn't right and you're feeling dark or feeling down, or you know that you're not in the right headspace, get help. Because it will kill your business if it doesn't kill you. The reality of owning a business, and also in the workplace, is that 56% of small business owners have experienced poor mental health in the past 12 months. Okay, 56, so more than one in two. Compared to employees, it's only one in four. So again, in business, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with this at some point, uh, or you're going to have to be aware that it's a possibility and come up with some coping mechanisms or strategies or people that can help you overcome it at some point. I'd recommend a website, J-A-A-Q, Just Asked a Question. Great website, some great insights in there with people who are at the top of their game, whether that's in sports or business or politics, lots of different areas of life. And they're talking about mental health. They're talking about different issues. You can literally put a question in and it will take you to an example of someone who's dealing with that, overcoming that. So J-A-A-Q, put that into Google. It will take you to Jack. It's a really, really good business, really, really good system. Also, activity, diet versus medication. Both can change it. Activity, diet, and medication. I remember being on a cycle from London to Paris, and I was driving along at the back of, uh, of the journey at one part, um, and there was a doctor at the back. He was there to sort of mop anyone up who was struggling, and I got chatting to him. Uh, he was a great guy, but he said, I'm a GP, but I get loads of complaints, really. I'm not a very good GP by the measures that the NHS or, or most GPs would have. And I said, oh, why is that? Then he said, I'll get loads of complaints. So I said, why do you get loads of complaints? He said, because people come in and say, I'm feeling a bit down. I'm feeling a bit depressed. I'm overweight. I'm this, I'm that. And he would write them a prescription. And then they'd look at the prescription. It would say, walk an hour a day. Get some fresh air, turn your telly off. And they would get really cross and they would make complaints because what they really wanted was a pill to pop to solve the issue. They didn't want to have to put any work in. And he said, But I know that they were depressed because they were sitting in, they were watching Jeremy Carl, they were doing nothing. They were getting no oxygen around their body, around, uh, uh, they, they were getting their lymph system wasn't moving. You need your lymph system for health, for wealth, for happiness. Uh, uh, and it's all really important. If you're sitting on your ass or you're watching something negative or you're just taking a pill, that is not going to optimize you. And if you are not optimized, you will struggle to build any business of scale. We're still in sort of this education, personal development and people. And one of the things I talk about a lot is I hate it. People say, I hated school. I'm glad to be done. Never going back. Done with education. Well, then they probably learned the skill. So that was education. And actually, I, I look at education and university as the, as the foundation. Whatever foundation you get while you're at school or university, that's just the foundation. Your life is what you build on top of that foundation after school and university. And that will take different skills to build a house that it did to build a foundation. And I'm a great believer of lifelong learning. 
people who I've known that are hugely successful, even into their 70s and 80s, are always learning new skills, are learning new ways of doing what they do, are interested and intrigued on where technology is moving, where tools are moving, where uh, trades are moving, prices moving, markets are moving, because they know if they don't adapt and evolve, they will be killed in business eventually. And, you know, one of the sayings I used to hear a lot was it's about survival of the fastest, not survival of the fittest in, in that regard. Let's give some facts on this again. 60% of small businesses that invest in training and development survive for more than five years compared to only 40% that don't invest in training and development. So 50% more survive five years if they've invested in training and businesses. A study by the Small Business Administration found that businesses that invest in training and development have a 70% higher survival rate. Companies that invest in employee training have 218% higher revenue per employee than companies that don't invest in employee training. The Society for Training and Development found that companies that invest in employee training have 24% higher profits than those that don't invest in employee training. How much have you invested in employee training in the last month, the last year, the last three years? So it's not just about evolving and educating yourself more. It's about evolving, educating and training your people more. Professionals who invest in their careers, mentoring, coaching, are 49% more likely to be promoted and and earn 23% higher salaries than those who don't invest in their careers. That was a study done by LinkedIn. So we're transitioning from personal development to training of teams and and the business to now focusing on people. One of the first things around people, a lot of businesses have no succession plan. So what are you going to do if you want to sell? What are you going to do if you get ill? What are you going to do if you want to retire? And there is no plan in place for those businesses. They just slowly disintegrate or slowly die or get shut down without any value for all the years they've put in other than the profit, hopefully, that was taken each year. Getting a succession plan written down, because it's not a plan, it's not necessarily written down, uh, will also increase the value of the business, probably adding at least two times more EBITDA to the value of the business. Um, and there's a whole podcast I've done on on how to take EBITDA from 3.9, sorry, sales value from exit value from 3.9 times EBITDA to more than 10 times EBITDA. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't have to worry about pension, Mike, or succession because my business is my pension. What a stupid saying. Because you are probably the driving force of your business. If something happens to you, then that driving force becomes lost. God forbid you die before you get to pension age. Your family then have got to try and recover this business, save this business while grieving for you. And I can tell you, I've seen this happen. Businesses plummet in the event of the death of a founder or key member. Often people buy cheap staff, employ cheap staff. Why would you get the cheapest staff? Why wouldn't you want the best talent? To attract the best talent, we need to look at four things. How do we attract, train, motivate, and retain winning teams? 
And I won't go massively into that now because I did a podcast on it recently. So if you look at building winning teams or, or building winning talent on my podcast, you will find a whole session on how to attract, train, motivate and retain top talent. But as we've just talked about, not investing in enough training or people development, sometimes people say, yeah, but Mike, what if I train them and they leave? All that money I've invested training them and then they leave. My answer will always be, what if you don't train them and they stay? What kind of impact is that going to have on your business? Untrained staff, not invested in, never evolving, never improving, despite changes in the market, the product, the customer base. If you don't train them and they stay, your business is on a decline. Short-term, long-term, mid-term, who knows, but it will be in decline. Have you got any mentors, coaches, advisors? Or are your mentors, coaches and advisors Fred down the pub, your mum and dad, your brother, one of your best mates? Are they qualified? The guy down, oh, you don't want to get into that. Oh, web schmeb or social media is a waste of money. I know Freddie did that. He lost his shirt. Ask yourself if who you're getting your advice from, passively or actively, where's that advice coming from? Are they qualified to give you that advice? Have they got any um, proven success in the past? The other thing I often hear is, yeah, Mike, I know all that about training and development and advice and mentoring and coaching and that, but I just can't afford it. So I want to talk about finance and profit now as an area. Okay. Often when people say, yeah, well, I'd do that if I could, but we can't afford it. My answer would be, can you afford not to? If you recognize that you need something doing, but you're saying you can't afford it, can you afford not to? Are you focusing your spend somewhere else that is less relevant, less important, short-term important, but long-term going to kill you? Can you take the cost from elsewhere? Are you in touch with your finances? Do you even know what the cash flow is? Where is your cash going to be at its current burn rate with the current sales in a week, in a month, in three months, in six months? Most businesses have no idea and no three or six months cash flow. They only know what's in the bank today and what they're hoping to get in the next week or two if they get paid on time. They don't know cash flow. In fact, the biggest single reason why most businesses go bust is cash flow or lack of it. 80% of failed businesses are the result of poor financial management and poor cash flow forecasting. Well, isn't that terrifying if most businesses haven't even got a cash flow forecast? 38% of businesses ran out of cash or failed to get the required capital in the first year. So before they even started, they didn't check what cash they'd really need or they had an overly optimistic view of it. And so it was it was very predictable that they would not last the year if you'd have done a cash flow forecast or if you'd have done not just an a, a, a optimistic view of the market, but if you'd done a median and a pessimistic and assumed that they might run somewhere in between that. Most of the businesses I work with until we start working together just assume constant sales across a year. They don't put sort of the fact that summer holidays might half their business, that Christmas might half their business or double their business. And even when business is in growth at a high level, that can really impact cash flow. Cash flow forecast is crucial to any business. The height of insanity is to keep doing what you're doing and expect different results. Your way of doing things has got you to where you are today. If that's successful and you're getting everything you want, great. 
If it's not, you've got to say, what do I need to do differently, better, or best to get to where I want to go? And you've got to ask yourself if you've got the person or people around you that are going to do that. And that's your employees, your suppliers, partners. And have you got any advisors or mentors or coach that can help you with that? If we look at which humans, if you like, or life stage do we learn most from and it's ki- or learn quickest and it's kids. Why do kids learn quickest? Why do kids learn more in a shorter amount of time? It's because they ask, 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 and then they try, try, try. And even if they fail, they try again. And they keep trying until they get what they need to do. And that's from the very first stages as a toddler learning to walk. They get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down. Learning to ride a bike, they'll fall off, fall off. Learning to play a cute computer game. They get killed, they go again live a bit longer, get killed, go again, live a bit longer. And actually, most of the things we ever became good at, we were rubbish at to start with until we practiced enough to become great at what we do. Put that in perspective with finance and cash flow. The average business in the UK has around 20 to 30 days of cash flow, meaning that they could last for only 20 or 30 days if suddenly the sales stopped. Lockdown did that for a lot of companies. Sales stopped. Within a month, many businesses were in effect broke. They started putting their own money in. They started having to sell things. Uh, They had to borrow money just to stay afloat. 20 to 30 days. One of the things I teach people is to get what we, the first goal is to get a get stuffed account with minimum three, if not six months of fixed costs in there that we keep as a, as a, as a safety net, if you like, for when we have a tough month, a tough week, something happens unexpectedly. Learn finance if you need to. It's really that important. 80% of businesses fail because of cash flow or financial lack of knowledge. So learn it. There's the courses out there, finance for non-financial managers. There's lots where you can learn that. And if you can't learn it, get a really good accountant and tell them you need their support, not just in doing your accounts, but on cash flow forecasting uh, and and doing some reviews around profitability, actual costs, real costs, fixed costs, um, uh, and so on. Or employ someone who's great at that. One of the things I said about uh, in the businesses I've run in the past, the financial director, the FD, was the person who most frustrated me in business, always because they said, we can't afford that, we can't do this. We... But they were also the most important person to me in any business, because the numbers never lie. And lack of cash will kill you quicker than lack of sales. The two are, in, are connected a bit, but if we're seeing a slowdown in sales, we can adjust our costs accordingly. Uh, and we can stretch that period out and we can change um, a strategy for more sales. But if there's no cash in the bank, it's very hard to come back from that the 11th commandment one of my mentors used to teach me was called, thou shalt not kid thyself. You aren't suddenly going to get paid something that isn't in the cash flow. Be real. Be honest with yourself and accept. If you haven't got the cash, you need a strategy for getting the cash. If you don't know the cash flow, you need to get to know the cash flow. Are you dependent on too few customers? Are all of your eggs in one basket? I've worked with many companies who say, Mike, we've got Tesco's uh, as our supplier. Bit by bit, Tesco's take more and more. It's great. We're growing our business. Oh, we've had to let some of those small customers go. Oh, yeah, we've had to like focus, focus. Before they know it, Tesco's are half of their business. And then Tesco's tell them they're going to reduce the price. Oh, but, but no, we haven't agreed that. Well, that's the price. Take it or leave it. 
and then they can't leave it because their whole business is dependent, their future, their success, their profitability is dependent on one customer. It actually devalues a business if you've got any one customer that's more than 10% of your turnover, it works against you. So, you know, in simple terms, are you better to have one customer worth a million or a hundred customers worth 10,000? I know what I'd go for. If you had a hundred customers worth 10,000, then you could afford to lose 10 of them and you still got a solid business. May not be making as much money, but your business is still solid. Do not put all your eggs in one basket. Do not get seduced into just being employed in real terms if they're your biggest customer by one of your customers. Don't ever let a small client base hold you to ransom because when it gets to that point, they are in charge, not you. You are an employee or a provider to them. You are not a business of which they are a customer in real terms. One of the key areas of business also, another area is networking. Are you a networking novice? Or even recently someone on, on LinkedIn, I heard say networking doesn't work. What absolute bullshit. Speak to any business of scale and they will tell you some version of your network is your net worth. Your customers will come from people you meet, whether directly or indirectly, or your other customers because you spend time with them. Let me give you some stats because these are easy things to say, but I want to back it up, okay? If you don't network, then you're not going to be meeting people in real terms. People do business with people they like, know, and trust. It's really hard to get to know and like people. You can borrow trust through a brand or what a brand meant or someone else endorses you. But like and know is tough without meeting people. So let me give you a few stats here. Face-to-face -face is worth 10 times on-screen interaction. And social uh, time spent, i.e. over a meal or, or at a, an event, is worth more than that. But let's have a look at some of this. The University of California, Berkeley found that face-to-face -face meetings are 30% more productive than video calls. Harvard Business School found that face-to-face -face meetings are essential for building trust and rapport. 85% of people say they build stronger, more meaningful business relationships during in-person meetings and at conferences. That was by Forbes Review. Face-to-face -face requests are 34 times, 34 times more effective than those sent by email. That, that was MIT Human Dynamics Lab. On average, an in-person meeting will generate about 13.36 ideas, whereas a virtual meeting will only generate around 10.43 ideas. That was Yarnfield Park. 80% of people say they trust someone more if they have met them in person. That was a LinkedIn study. 76% of people say they are more likely to do business with a company if they have met a representative in person. That was a Salesforce study. 65% of people say they are more likely to believe information if it is presented to them face to face. That was the Pew Research Center. So it's not just opinion, although if you ask any successful person, they'll tell you networking, interacting, meeting is far more important. Does that mean to say there's not a place for Zoom or calls? Absolutely not. But they should be a part of the mix. 
not solely dependent on them. And there is nothing that is as, as effective as time spent with people. And the more social it is, I, a formal meeting is not going to connect you as much as a meeting over a drink or a meal or a coffee. It's not going to connect you as much as a meeting uh, where, where you're doing something together, like a training course um, or a conference. We'll talk a bit about change, um, failure to innovate, adapt and evolve or change can kill a lot of businesses or make them miss opportunities. And I love the story about the, the and it's a bit of a fable, but, you know, there's elements of truth and there's certainly a principle to consider in there about the two shoe salesmen that are sent off to a new country, a new market for a big shoe company based in Leicester many years ago. And they go out there and three days later they phone in because there wasn't internet then. Uh, and they say, the first one rings in and he speaks to the CEO and he says, you're not going to believe this boss. What a stupid waste of time. I've come over here to sell shoes. They don't even wear shoes. What a waste of time. I'm booking myself back on the next flight. Okay. Five minutes later, the second guy who's been to the same market, he's been looking around, he's been checking it out. He rings up all excited and he says, boss, you're not going to believe this. We're going to make a killing. They don't even wear shoes yet. Once we start selling them shoes and showing them the benefits of shoes, we are going to just tear this market apart. Same market, different perspective. One of them knew they needed to change some things. They needed to act. They needed to innovate and adapt. The other just looked head on into it and saw nothing but the problem. How are you going to change how is business changing? One of the things at the moment is AI. A lot of people, because they don't quite understand it, they don't want to believe it, it's maybe threatening their job. If you're a journalist or a media person or, or something like that, you believe these threats. The reality is it is an amazing tool. It can really help businesses, but it is just a tool. It's a tool that will aid some jobs amazingly. Other jobs, some people will need to evolve. And I can have amazing ingredients. I need a chef to turn it into a meal. I can have um, amazing tools. I need a craftsman to turn it into something, a, a cabinet or piece of furniture. And similarly, from the work that I've been doing over recent months on AI, it can write some content. It can be really specific, really helpful, super quick. But it's not perfect. It does need human interaction. Maybe that'll improve over time. But if you just ignore it because you're scared of it, you're going to be missing out on opportunity. And if, as we talked about earlier, so many small businesses can't afford the best people, so many small businesses are making minute profits, maybe this can be a solution to help them compete with some of the bigger businesses that are like dinosaurs in terms of their speed of change. So embrace change. Look for change. Find technology and tools that can help you be part of that change journey at the front of that change journey. But if we're going to talk about change, then we've got to talk about internal change as well. And we talked a bit earlier about self-development. Failure to recognize the need for personal growth and hit refresh will make you a dinosaur over time. And if you're happy with that, that's fine but you will either change or be changed. Indecision around change is a decision. Decide to be part of that change, to evolve and adapt and grow a massive business of the future 
or accept that your business is probably in decline, whether long, long term, short term or, or, or medium term decline. And I want to wrap this session up by saying success is a choice. It's more choice than chance because it's what you do that leads to it. And what you think isn't working in your sector, your product, your service, there's someone out there making it work. What you need to be asking is not does this work? It clearly is working for others. You need to be asking what are they doing differently, better, best that if I emulate could make this work? Who's an amazing example of someone who's done that in the past or doing that now, but in a different catchment that I can emulate? Maybe I can even ask them if they'll mentor me if I'm not directly competing. So success is a choice. Success is a system. But to keep doing the same thing and expect different results is the height of insanity. How can you get different things if you keep doing what isn't working for you now? As ever, I hope you find some of this content useful. And if you've got any questions, do contact me at mikegreen.co.uk. Literally just fill out the little thing with your name, your telephone number, what your question is. I will come back to you personally and answer those questions. If there's other content you'd like or content or questions that have been stimulated by what I've talked about today, go onto my website, mikegreen, with an E, .co.uk, and put that question to me. I will come back to you, and I will create new content in the future. I wish you great success. If you've enjoyed, like, share, subscribe, and I look forward to seeing you again at some point or speaking with you again at some point on Success is a System. Thanks very much. Yeah.